1 John 5 to 4, our faith is what has overcome the world. That's what I preached about. And last Sunday, I focused on some aspects. The one thing is that the Bible says we have to overcome and that we can overcome our fears and our sin and our doubts. And the second aspect I preached about is that it's not enough to have a certain amount of faith, but the Bible says we need more faith. Now turn to the person next to you and say, you need more faith because your faith is the currency to heaven. I think in the 80s, there was a song, it was called More of You, More of You. And that was the motto of that um, movement back in the day. And for some, it did not matter. But however, that was the characteristic when the Holy Spirit lives in you. You are not satisfied. You want more. So that was my second aspect from last week. And the third aspect was that we can change everything with the right decision. So we cannot pass on the responsibility to other people, but it's your own decision that changes your life. And then I preached about the grasshopper mentality and how some Christians live with it. And I showed you this um, at the example of Joshua and Caleb. They were called to enter the promised new land. And the ten other spies, they reacted with the mentality of grasshoppers. Because their faith was very small, but Joshua and Caleb... Although they had the same eyes, the same experiences, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the promised land. And God used them. And he used their faith to rule and reign over the circumstances and take in the new land. God has something new for you. He has promises for you. He has something prepared for you. But all of this will only happen if you trust him. Do you believe that he has something new for you? Faith is not mysterious, but what God has prepared for you is real. The new land he has for you is real, no matter how old or, or, or young you are. But we can only receive this if we learn about faith through the Word of God. And the things that God has prepared can only happen if God sees a desire and an expectation in us. And now what's dangerous is when we lose this expectation. And that was the end of my sermon from last Sunday. If we do not have this expectation, or if you sit here and you have no expectation to God, then something uh, is mm, disillusioned in you. Something got lost. If we get used to the things we live with, then you don't have expectation. How can God grant us then? So to have an expectation is important. We have to be focused on Him. We have to expect to encounter him. When we are at home in prayer, when we live in our families, we have to have an expectation to him and have an expectation in service. You know, that worship was wonderful, but that was a worship with expectation. 
And now I want to go on preaching about two very decisive Bible verses that were determined for me and also for Charlotte. The ministry that Charlotte and I build up is built on this, this kind of faith, to have an expectation to God. The ministry here in Tübingen and the other churches that were found, missionaries that were sent out, houses that were bought and built, children that came to transformation houses, drug rehab, persons who were freed, prayer houses, you know, it's not because we are startup founders, but this was born out of faith. And faith has always something to do with an expectation towards the living God. And I learned two things, and I want to pass on these two things to you, because I believe it's important. If we look um, at the last half year and enter the next quarter of this, last, uh, of this coming year, we have to be focused in the right way. Now, what can we do? Now, in the Western world, we often do not really know the character of God. We imagine a God who is hard. We imagine a God who uh, always um, corrects us and is strict to us because of his holiness, who's not really interested in us. Oh, we have to fight and, and do really difficult things in order to come to him. And sometimes we are Christians who... Uh, who, who have difficult lives of faith. They are fighting Christians. There is the salvation boat of faith and we cling on to it so that we do not drown. Or the better option is that we just get in that boat and simply trust the Lord. But our understanding of God is often different. And because of that, it's often difficult for us to trust God that He is simply good, that He really wants best for us. We look at the news, we hear all the things that are coming towards us, but God prepares a new generation now. A couple of days ago, I had a conversation with someone, um, and that woman said to me, well, a couple of years ago, like 20 years ago, um, people said that, but if I look around, um, I really see a new generation. Now, look around and say, are you belonging to that new generation? And whether you have gray hair or not, then I tell you to decide for this new generation. It's not a question of age. You also belong to this generation. And then I thought about how this generation looks. There is an X generation, a Y generation, and Z generation, and whatever they are all called. And then I thought, oh, what, what generation will come next? But it's easy. It's the generation J. Do you belong to the generation J? And I'm not meaning the Jobst, Jobst generation, but the generation Jesus, the J generation. The generation with that small letter Yod that also has a letter of Yerushalayim, of Yeshua, of Yod. 
And that small letter is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's what represents the people who humble themselves and who walk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Now it's good when God is doing things here in the room. Because God's here to break chains just in the middle of my sermon. God is at work to renew your faith. The generation J is the generation that bends and bows and repents and who makes himself small. And that generation is going to Gdansk now. That generation says we want to bow and repent because God's word says whoever humbles himself will be lifted up by God. But how does faith develop? How can we manage to, 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 to receive it? How can I receive faith? Because often our standing, understanding of faith is that we imagine something, but however, we will never receive it. That's not right, because faith always becomes real. And you might ask yourself, why then are my, uh, my, my prayers not answered? Why is my faith not working out? Why do I still experience that I'm battling in faith, but I don't break through? And now, honestly, it's often like that. And we don't have to be ashamed of this. Why is that the case? Why do I receive only so little in faith? Because the word of God says different. Psalm 37.4. I said I want to give you two keys. It's a wonderful word. I thought if I shall start my sermon with this word, so you would probably be in a better mood instead of starting my sermon with um, our brothers and sisters who worship the Lord now. But I think that way it was good. So, Psalm 34. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now everybody say, Amen. What's written here? There is a pre-level of faith. There is something like a precondition of faith. If you want to eat and drink, you have to pick up drink and food and put this somehow to your mouth. Faith does not come some like some angel flown to you and just sits down on your head. But you have to do something. And now you probably say, oh, I knew it. Something difficult I have to do. But here it says, delight yourself in the Lord. So have your desire in the Lord. And it is possible to desire in the Lord. And maybe you think, well, this word's kind of weird. But in the original text, it says that the original word of desire, so desire in the Lord, is a, a yearning, a desire. It's the desire, an expression of your greatest wish, your greatest desire. And sometimes we cannot think these two things together because we are so religious. Our imagination is that God is strict and uh, that there is a black Bible thrown at us. 
But here it says, have your desire in the Lord, delight in Him. And I tried to think of a way to describe it. Now, there are different ways of how our desires can be raised. And I thought the lowest level is that you think something's nice. Maybe somebody sends a picture to you via your phone. And I would say that is the level of nice. It's nice, but you don't really need it. Are you coming tonight? Nice, but I have other plans. So it's not really a, um, a higher desire. So this is the lowest level of desire. You want to spend time with me? Mm, nice, but I have other plans today. So if I would be the Lord, then I wouldn't do anything. But the second level, I kind of would like to, but it's okay if it doesn't work out. This is just a little bit more now. Hey, we can go eat something together. And going out for dinner is nice, but because you have already three birthdays that you just visited behind you, you don't really have to go to dinner. Next level. So the next level is you, you, you really would like something and you would be a little disappointed if it does not happen. So, nice evening. Something that's organized and, and you really were looking forward to it. And something's in you that says, oh, what a pity. Is that really that is a desire in the Lord? Oh, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm looking forward to the service, but if I walk in and walk out in the same way, then it has no meaning. Now, that's also not a desire in the Lord. But there's also a desire um, in which I want my desire to come into existence with every part of my body. Often you see this with people who just fell in love. Then I, I'm willing to invest everything. I'm willing to wait. It's in me with every part of my body. Day and night, I'm waiting to, to make it happen. I'm desiring. I'm really wanting that. Anybody experience this? Not that you maybe are in love like that, but... This kind of desire, that's what I'm talking about. You think about... Now, let's um, stay away from the topic of relationship because nobody's really wanting to raise their hands. Let's talk about vacation. You really want this. You invest. You look up things on the internet. You plan your vacation very detailed so that it's just really great. And you, you look at everything to make it possible. So what I want to describe to you is that there are different levels of desire. Who knows this desire that you really want in any case? Can I see your hand? Now, thanks. If nobody would have risen their hand, I had described this 15 minutes more. So to have your desire in the Lord is the des desire to have more of the good that you had until now. And the Lord says, if you have this and are focused on me like that, then your prayer is not a problem. 
He will give what your heart desires. And then the topic of answered, uh, answered prayer is not a question anymore because you are so focused on God. You have joy to worship Him. You have joy to encounter Him. You have joy in His Word. And God speaks to you. And of course you might go through, through deserts, but however, your heart is with God, then God tells you, I will... I will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know that God is good like that? Some of you say, no, that's not the case for me. I'm a Christian for so long now. But I tell you, God fills the desires of your heart. Now, what about all of those of you who sadly look at me right now? I somehow understand. But God stills the desires of our heart, but he has to be the center the center about what we think of. He does not want to be just one option. So, something that I can desire or cannot desire. And now this is the first case of a prayer that goes wrong. Often we pray and we ask the same. We always ask the same. And that already says that I don't really think God's able to do the things I'm asking. There is a Hebrew form of begging, uh, of, of um, requesting, and that has the that is the form of begging. But I have a good message for you. Children of God are no beggars. Tell your neighbor, you are no beggar before God. But you are a child. And if a child comes to the Heavenly Father and has his desire in him, then he will give you what your heart desires. The precondition is that I know his goodness, that I know that he's full of love and mercy. The precondition is that I am so filled of him, of his love, of the word of God, just like a sponge that is completely soaked up. I hate hard sponges. You can throw this at somebody's and really hurt someone with it. With a hard sponge, you can scratch somebody and really rub their skin. And often we think, God's like that. But then water comes and that sponge soaks up. Soaks up with the love and goodness of God. And what happens is that you can um, press it and, and things run out of it and even others profit from this. The psalm says that he is just and righteous and the, the earth is full of the goodness of God. Psalm 33, verse 5. Now let this sink in. When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and I'm over 60 now. And I tell you, the earth is full of the goodness of God. We have walked through battle, through attacks. But the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God and His love never stopped. We're not holy because we were holy already, but we were made holy through His grace and forgiveness. And God's goodness is that He always answers. Even when you are here, I tell you, it's worth it 
to discover his goodness because it's an eternal fountain. The only thing that can hinder us is our pride and our thinking that we already have understood it. Psalm 119. Lord, the earth is full of your goodness. Teach me your laws. So that's my expectation. Isn't that great? God always has more. He has always more. More of uh, presence, of love, of revelation, of challenges. Recently I saw a picture that showed our expectation of the way of God and there was a very straight line from A to B. Did you see this? It was somewhere on the internet. But the imagination of God's way of us is like that. Valleys, mountains, and now you can imagine that well, right? It goes through every place, but you are always at the hand of God. Are you holding his hand? You know that his goodness and love is also here for you. Are you in this place of his presence? Are you hungry and thirsty to encounter him? Or are you battling through like a child who doesn't want to, who is rebellious? Oh, I have to read the word of God again. Don't you know that the goodness of God is what can drive you? So the first step of faith, to have the right expectation, to have your desire in him, to delight in him. Psalm 37 the humble ones will her inherit the land and now we are entering a time in which people will very well um, distinguish whether Christians really have a relationship to the living God or whether they are spiritual hypocrites who are far away from God and here it says the humble ones will inherit the lamb, the land and they will live in great shalom in that land. Now let's look at the second aspect. So the first is to have the right expectation and the desire in the Lord and the second verse is Mark 11. How does our faith receive? Verse 27, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So the first thing is the desire, the expectation, and then the second aspect is to receive. And we should think that receiving is not so difficult. However, there are regions in Germany, I believe actually it's everywhere, um, in which we don't feel that it's easy to receive. You know, if we receive something, you always have to think you have to give something back. Now, if you give somebody a piece of cake, you receive a, a huge cake back. A correct person has to give something back. So receiving means that I'm receiving and I'm not giving anything back. I'm simply receiving. And if you look at these verses that is that are so well known, 
By the way, this is connected to the parable of Jesus driving out the um, the people from the temple. This is written in the present tense. So it does not say if you pray, it will happen in the future. But when you pray, then right now in the presence of God is some is something happening. So if you pray right now, here, then something happens here in that region. So you receive, so before receiving, uh, before hearing, you receive. And most of the Christians don't understand this. Most Christians think they pray and pray and pray and they hope at some point in the future it will come. But the prayer of hope does not receive the, rea the reality of what you pray for. The, fa the, the, the prayer of faith moves in the present. And what is happening in the present is that you pray and you pray and you know that you receive your answer right now. You receive an inner security, an inner peace, an inner approvement through brothers and sisters. You know that you know that now God has laid something in your hand. Do you know this? So the, the prayer of faith moves in the present. And you know, there is um, the intercession for nations and for authorities. Yes, but there are treasuries in heaven where all, all plans are, all preparations of God, all promises, they are there. And it's very real in heaven, in the invisible realm. And when you pray, you don't break through. But the prayer of surrender is, and the, the prayer of faith is that, Father, please give this to me. And there is an aspect of receiving. That's what, what says here. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. And that's the key of faith. A transferring takes place from the invisible to the visible realm. During the last three days, we were on a short vacation trip. And we are preparing the next year already. And there was one certain situation that completely turned, and we needed that turn. And it was such an answer to our prayer. And in me was not a, a huge battle, because these prayers are just prayers before the heart of God. And I said, Father, could you please interfere and put the answer in my hand? And it was as if the Heavenly Father smiled and said, you already have it, you already have it in your hand. One day later, that answer was there in reality. And the prayer of faith receives. I want to encourage you, if you already pray for years for things, and you pray in a way that you think, oh, it does not work out anyways. And the Heavenly Father will, won't hear me anyways. It's not right. The Heavenly Father is full of goodness and grace. But you have to learn to receive.
And the key is faith. My dear friends, faith is the key. And the devil the devil makes it over and over again that we think we don't have it. Bob Weiner, who is a friend of us, was here once. We really love him and appreciate him. He always preached about faith and he said the following. He said, for one kilometer of problems, you need 10 kilometers of faith. Tell your neighbor, you need 10 kilometers of faith. So that means in that moment in which you have received the answers of God, the inner security, which is not just between you and God, but you receive approvements of leaders, to, of, of brothers and sisters. You know that you know that you know. You have it in your hand. And in that moment, it's already yours. It's your property. This is the moment of receiving. You know, God doesn't found things over again. A receiving of a man and woman in time of, of greatest devotion, that's the picture that is used here in the Bible to describe this, where nothing is visible yet. However, you receive in spirit. And that faith is able to reach the invisible world. That faith presses into the presence of the throne of God. Ephesians 2, verse 6 to 11. And I'm closing my sermon with this. I had five points more, but I will finish at this point. It's a wonderful world. It was one of the first words I think I was 15 or 16 years old. And this this word was a song and it, it's still in my mind today. And God but because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. And even if you are here and you are dead in your transgressions, you are raised in a Christian home. Your father was pastor, your mother was very religious. But you are still dead in your sin. You live in sin, then you are dead. If if you live in sin, you are dead. Even if you sing church songs and worship songs, it is dead. If you are in Toss Church for 20 years, you can be dead. If you are a pastor, you can be dead if you live in sin. But he made us alive in Christ Jesus. And that's present tense. So this does not happen in the past. It's not what happened when you came to Jesus for the first time. It not, did not happen when you were baptized as a baby. But it was because you decided to come to Jesus. And because you simply said, Lord, here's my life. 
Here's my sin and guilt. I made a life in Christ Jesus. That's a life that matters. The eternal new life that matters. And then it is said, it is by grace you have been saved. It happens through your faith. You simply come to Jesus. That's the first step. And you have this faith. You can come to God and say, Lord, please save me. And God raised us up. Now, look at that. That's what Paul says to the church. They haven't died yet. Um, however, they are raised up. They have received already. That's the same principle. When you were a Christian and be born again, at some point you received a security of being saved. You really had this in your heart. You know, you know, you know that your Redeemer lives. It's the same principle. You have received something in faith. It is real right now. And if you are here today and you cannot really say, I don't know that my Redeemer lives, I don't have the security of knowing I'm safe, then today is the day in which you can come to Jesus and be free of your sin. You will be raised with Jesus today. It is your step of faith you can do today. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He did this already. In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful word. And this is a mark. characteristic is to have your desire in the Lord. Have a hunger and thirst towards God. Have your, have your desires focused on Him. And the second is the right receiving. And, and the characteristic is that I have, have already received. And then, of course, you shall start to thank. Every mother who has received and lives in a healthy biblical marriage carrying the child in her starts to thank right oh I'm so happy I'm carrying something in me I'm, I'm thanking because something has been born I cannot rebel against God anymore but I can say only thank you Lord And every time I start to speak out something that goes against it, then I take it away and I start to thank God. Now imagine if your mother would speak to her belly, you are nothing, I don't know if you will be healthy, I don't know if you will be born, I don't know. You know, that's just, that's just, that's just very bad. But you can say, thank you, Lord, that I have, it re have received it already. And what's the key? How do I receive? Where does it start? It starts at the place of the presence of God, where you come to Him. You press into this love relationship with Him. 
Remember the five examples that I showed you. If you are at the heart of God, you can't live in a religious way and judge others anymore, but you have received grace. If you are in this place, you don't rebel anymore, but you can only open up your And Lord, if this sermon only has planted a hunger into the heart, hearts, then that's what was supposed to happen today. A hunger for your presence, a hunger for you to receive more of you, Holy Spirit. Oh, a yearning, not just to come to firm times to you, but if you draw us into your your your, your heavenly realms and you wait for us. Oh Lord, I thank you for the faith that receives because you are a good Father and full of grace. Oh Father, I pray for those who are here who don't know you, who are dead and kept in sin, but who have a yearning to come out. Today is the day. Father, I pray that you would help them right now, today, to encounter you in Jesus' name. Amen.